Oh yeah, real lifers, citizens of the world. Welcome to the Real Life Global Movement, where our mission is to inspire, empower, and connect the world through English. We believe that English should be a fun and enriching part of your life that you can practice and enjoy whenever and wherever you want. Are you tired of boring lessons that suck the life out of your learning? Are you ready to step up your game and become a kick-ass English speaker? Well, we're here to guide and inspire you on your journey to true lifelong fluency. It's time to stop just learning English and start living it. Can I get an aw yeah? Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from the United States all the way to China. This is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, effective, and childish way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to us while you're at the grocery store, riding the bus, somersaulting down a hill, or even playing on the playground. Oh yeah, I'm joined here in the Cross Atlantic Studio, as always, by the man who built the hospital that he was born in. Justin Murray. Oh uh, yeah, what is going on, Ethan? Mr. V, good to be here. How does one build the hospital that they were born in? How did you do that? It's very complicated. You have to be of a divine nature to really understand. What's a divine nature? Godly. You have to be holy, religious. No, not religious, but to, to be made from God or from the heavens, maybe. Yes. That about encapsulates Justin Murray. So let's jump right into today's kick-ass quote. You can guess what today's podcast is all about, either from some of those adjectives we used, or、uh, from what I'm about to say, what I'm about to share from Wayne Dyer. Recapture the childlike feelings of wide-eyed excitement, spontaneous appreciation, cutting loose, and being full of awe and wonder at this magnificent universe. Wow, that is loaded with vocabulary, Mr. V. So. I bet you're getting ready to do some definitions here, Ethan. Right? So childlike. All right. Childlike means pretty much that it's like a child, something having to do with children. Wide-eyed excitement. Wide-eyed means that describes basically that when you're really excited or when you're really eager about something, your eyes will actually light up. And then you have cutting loose to cut loose. To cut loose is to kind of let go of your inhibitions. So. You might on Friday nights after a, a long week of work, you might want to cut loose and go out for some drinks with your friends. Okay, and then to be full of awe and wonder. Awe is basically the feeling where your jaw drops because you're just so amazed by something. Your jaw to drop. Your jaw drops. That's another adjective you could use for to be in awe, or you could say something is jaw dropping. What's your jaw? Your jaw is like your mandible. It's the bottom part of your face, the bottom part of your mouth, I suppose, that drops up and down. Okay, so let me just read that quote again. Recapture the childlike feelings of wide-eyed excitement, spontaneous appreciation, cutting loose, and being full of awe and wonder at this magnificent universe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to point out real quick American tea here. If people, in case people didn't notice it, in the The phrase "cutting loose," so that's a good example where that T turns into a D sound, cutting loose. And I believe J Man has got a shout out to our kickass English learner of the week. Who is it? Drum roll. 
All right. So this learner has been with us for a long time, always been listening to our podcasts, always sharing. And she's kind of a leader in the fluency circle, actually. And today's shout out goes to my knee from India. Oh, uh, yeah. So my knee, she's constantly like sharing her perspective. I think she's a TV news reporter. And she's sharing like she's she's used her English on, on air a few times as well. I've seen her improvement and, and she's quite a passionate learner and, and she definitely represents a really high level of success. So congratulations, Maini, and we're really proud of you. What does on air mean? On air means to be on television or to be, we're on air right now. Actually, we're recording it, but it's sort of like a live transmission, right? A little bit. We're on air. It's like when you're recording something, right? When you're actually in the process of recording something. Thanks so much. I would also say from the bottom of my heart, my knee for being such a kick-ass member of the Fluency Circle community, of inspiring us and just always bringing your light to everything you do. And if anyone else listening to this would like a chance to be the kick-ass learner of the week, what can they do, Jamin? To be a kick-ass learner of the week, well, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Go on there, just leave us a five-star review, and we'll share that. Because we have some other five-star reviews that we didn't share because they weren't so long or eloquent. So, But share your five-star review, share a few nice words, and if we like it, we'll share it on the air. Or you can join the Fluency Circle, participate there. The Fluency Circle is our global community of learners who are studying with us, with our courses, with Fluent with Friends or the Real Life Native Immersion course. So we'd love to have you in there with us. We have a really all-star team of learners in there. So it's really great to go every week to choose a different kick-ass learner who is really contributing to that community and inspiring us. And contributing to this podcast. And if you don't know how to leave a five-star review, then you can go to the show notes of this podcast or any other podcast of ours. This one you will find at reallifeglobal.com slash kid, K-I-D. And you'll also find there all the vocabulary, the expressions, all the other terms and links and resources that we will talk about in today's podcast. And if you didn't get it from the kick-ass quote or from the beginning of the podcast, what are we talking about today, Jan? Uh, we were talking about how to learn like a child, kids learning languages, and how you can be more childlike in your learning. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is a pretty trendy idea, I would say. A lot of people or a lot of programs have grabbed onto this idea of learning languages like a child. Yeah, it's kind of like a little bit of a marketing cliche, I think. You see a lot of courses out there just claiming that you can learn like a child, but I don't think they really understand it. And not that we understand it so in depth, but it's something that it's interesting to think about and to really consider what that really means to learn like a child and what we really can learn from a child. Can we really learn like a child? I mean, we're not children. Children come into the world and they, they have a clean slate, a blank slate. They're not learning from their native language. Their native language is nothing. Exactly. You said they come into the world with a clean slate. What is a clean slate? A clean slate, we often use this for somebody who is starting fresh. They're starting new, right? So maybe like after you've been, you go through, maybe somebody might go to prison, right? And then they come out with a clean slate. Maybe that's not the best example because they always have a record, but it just means that they don't have anything to go by. There's nothing really, anything um, holding them back. Yeah. Or maybe like if you move to a new country, you might be starting there from a clean slate. This literally means, I believe, a slate is like a blackboard. And so if you imagine that you're erasing everything that's on that blackboard uh, and starting anew. 
And if you see any courses like this that tend to like promise that you can learn like a child, just be cautious, be kind of analytical of it a little bit because I think these kind of courses, a lot of times they're just very gimmicky. Gimmick, what does that mean? A gimmick is something that it basically makes like a lot of promises, but there's not actually truth behind those promises. You need to be cautious. Like anytime you see something that seems gimmicky, it probably is some sort of gimmick. Or I would recommend that you actually take a childlike mentality and just ask lots of questions. Ask the whys, right? Why? Why do you say that? Why, why do you think I can learn like a child? How, how do you do that? What does that mean? Why is this the most effective method? Yeah, that's definitely like really important point that you're bringing up to, you know, with anything asking why, but as like a English learner or as a language learner, it can be really important to always be curious, always be asking why, just like children do. This whole idea of how some of the most successful like language learners, polyglots, they're just extremely curious. They're extremely experimental. They're always trying different things and seeing what works best, what helps them to augment their learning. And along with that curiosity, just being extremely playful. So having fun with it, you know, not taking it so seriously, not worrying so much about memorizing every grammar rule or, or having to know every single expression, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would say just discovering that interest. It's just like, I think really good learners are people who can, they take a topic and they realize if they're bored by it, for example, they sort of alternate their perspective and they look for new perspectives on that thing until they can capture their interest with that. So it's really important to not settle for boredom and recognize that there is, if you're bored, maybe you haven't found the right introduction or maybe you haven't found that thing about it that you really enjoy that will really spark or ignite your curiosity. So I think um, kids have a natural tendency to be open and curious and playful about something. You don't need to be very dry and bored by something. You can look for that childlike perspective on things. And always just, you know, if you're finding something is just really boring you or Maybe it's not always necessarily a bad thing if something's a little bit boring, if it actually is effective, because we've talked a lot about deliberate practice and deliberate practice isn't always necessarily fun. But the important thing there is that even if it's not extremely fun, that it's effective. And if it's not fun and it's not effective, you're definitely going to give up. So try to be very experimental, be curious. And if you have someone to ask, always ask why. So, there's kind of this idea that when you're learning something, it, you, you learn it in different phases. And sometimes the deliberate practice of a, a phase of, of learning is kind of the second phase. The first phase, a lot of times, is just captivating that, you know, capturing that interest in it, being captivated by that topic. And so, maybe you're not learning so much at first, but if you could just actually get interested in that. And I think one example of that, you know, we'll come back and talk about this in a little bit, but music. So, music, you just find one song that you like in English can spark your interest. And, and I think this works really well with kids because kids will find a song they like and, and just really get immersed in that song, learn the lyrics, and that will help capture their interest. And from there, once they're interested, it's much easier, it's much more um, motivating for them to really pursue mastery and, and go through the repetition of deliberate practice. So, first, develop the interest, then develop your skills and your mastery through deliberate practice. Yeah, I could not agree more. I de definitely know with like some of the languages I've learned, that's just been a springboard for me in the very beginning is just finding music that I like in that language. Wait, springboard? Springboard, that's like a, something I think in gymnastics that you use to jump on that gives you like a little bit of an extra launch forward. So it's kind of a figurative way with your learning that you can have something that's kind of springboard. It's that initial 
powerful step that kind of pushes you forward. Yeah. And so kids, though, they're not the best at deliberate practice generally. It's something that they need to learn. So the kids are more like they're they're more curious and interested in, in things and uninhibited about learning, but they're not the greatest about that repetition. And as an adult, you can really take what you've learned from all the learning that you've done, all of the processes that you've gone through and, and recognize the importance of deliberate practice and repetition and so you can use that as as a strength from your your adult learning perspective. Exactly. There are certain aspects that you can take from learning like a child that are very beneficial, but on the other hand there are also reasons why you don't want to learn like a child. So we're going to give you both of those and that's that's also why we're saying you need to be a little bit skeptical when you see a course promising, you know, learn like a child, it's easy. You know, I think something that's important to look at is that also children don't learn perfectly. I think people tend to think of like, oh, you know, it's so easy for children. They just absorb it right away. They just pick it up and they be, they're uh, completely fluent. But there's like definitely an evolution for kids. Like when they first start learning the language, they're really tripping over all the sounds. They can barely pronounce things. They can't string together their thoughts or anything like that. Wait, 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 just to stop you there. So you said trip over and string together? Trip over is like, for example, if there's a rock in the street and you don't see it, your foot might hit it and you might trip over the rock. And you can also figuratively trip over things, trip over ideas that kind of like act as a barrier to you. And string together means to connect. So you can literally think of, for example, if you're making some sort of piece of jewelry, you have to maybe string together the different parts of the jewelry to make the full necklace, for example. Where I was going with this is that, you know, that children aren't perfect. It's not like just a smooth sailing for them when they learn a language. They fail many, many, many times, but because they come at it with that very open, open perspective and that kind of childlike, you know, fun experimentalism, they don't really care about that. Yeah, absolutely. Kids are more relaxed in general until I think they reach a certain age and they become a little bit more uh, self-conscious a lot of times. And I think this corresponds with creativity too. I think kids are generally more uninhibited in their creativity to draw a picture and to just create new things and experiment with new things. But they reach a point where maybe it's just kind of like adolescence or puberty when, you know, being accepted by the, the tribe becomes much more important and become very self-conscious of, of other people's criticism, other people not accepting them. Definitely. We've said the word uninhibited a couple times. What does that mean in case it's kind of difficult for people? Well, to be inhibited, right, is to be blocked by something. Uninhibited means to be more free and relaxed and open. Exactly. You know, I think children as well, for, the, for them, you'll see kind of like this evolution. Uh, as I was saying that at first when they're really little, they have to learn all the sounds. That's not easy for them. Like people tend to think they just they're born, right, with perfect pronunciation, which is not true. And, you know, maybe then they go through a stage where they start being able to string together their thoughts, they start being able to create full sentences, they start being able to ask for what they want and ask questions. And I think their their learning starts to take off from that point. But really, I think English learners don't start, not just English learners, uh, kids like in any language, we don't really tend to start speaking really correctly until we also start taking, well, we go through that like kind of adolescence and we also start taking classes in school that teach us, you know, this is the, the correct in between quotations, the correct way of speaking. But also it's kind of like an interesting idea that kids tend to learn that again in quotations, that more incorrect way of speaking. So they learn the slang 
They learn things like that everyone listening to this podcast probably knows like gonna, wanna, shoulda, coulda, these kind of things for them. That's just the actual way of saying it. That's not actually like connected speech or slang for them, right? Yeah. So they learn from the sounds first. And that's kind of like adults generally will learn from the grammar. And so we'll say I'm going to and then we'll later learn that it's going to. So somebody will have to correct us. And this goes back to the idea of like, who controls English language? You know, a lot of us have the idea that maybe, you know, there's an institution over there in England that's telling us all how to speak. It sends out a, uh, an email or something that says, okay, we're all going to start using going to or whatever. But that's not really the case because like kids, I think they represent a lot of times how the language is evolving organically. And I've, I made a video about the word, you know, going to, gonna, um, I'm gonna, and then I'm a, this shows the evolution of the English language. And recently when I, when I was home last Christmas, my nephew said, you know, I'm gonna go now. And I never used this as a kid, but this is sort of like, maybe you saw this in like rap music, you saw this in maybe the ghetto and, you know, maybe certain dialects of English that, you know, some people consider not to be educated. And, but now it's becoming more and more mainstream, but this is coming from the kids. It's not coming from, you know, that institution in England that's, you know, telling us what correct grammar is. It's organically evolving. And so kids are, are sort of the, the carriers of that, of that new language a lot of times. And, and maybe, you know, it's not correct for adults to speak that way. Maybe it is. Maybe we can experiment with it. What do you think about that? I think it's a good question. There's certainly certain parts of the language that don't carry across the generations. And what I mean by that is that like there's certain words that maybe I use or, you know, that even newer that are kind of like popular for adolescents to use nowadays that like if I used like what adolescents nowadays use, like I'm going to feel really awkward. If my parents use it, it just sounds like completely wrong to me. And this tends to be true. Like you, you'll see a lot of uh, TV series, for example, it's like a type of humor is you'll see like an adult using the language that is really popular among young people. And because of that, like awkwardness of, of an older person using that vocabulary, it creates like a lot of humor. But it's, it's an interesting thing to look at with the language that, you know, based on your generation, certain vocabulary is acceptable and certain vocabulary is seen as like really awkward or it just doesn't fit. Yeah. So I suppose it's really important to take into account all the cultural elements and the context of communication of the language because, I mean, that's very important. But you can just take that experimental approach with your English. And the people you're around, if you're in the context of people who, you know, speak with a certain slang, something is good to experiment and have fun with it, coming back to, you know, that uninhibited quality of kids. So, because you, maybe you will discover if something's correct or not through that experimentation. Exactly. Through people's reactions. I know something that's happened to me a lot is uh, in language learning is like I learn some word and like, you know, when I learn a word, I really want to use it because that's like the best way to actually remember it is to actually put it into practice. But sometimes you learn a word and you're not so sure of like, is it a word that people actually use commonly or is it something that's more literary or is it something that's not used anymore? And I've actually had friends tell me it's like I would never use that word. Like maybe my grandfather would use that word. So it can be important to have some sort of feedback, you know, if it, if it is something that is important for you having that broader vocabulary, it can be very useful to have maybe a teacher or someone that you can kind of confide in uh, who can answer those questions for you. Like, is, is it appropriate to use this word? And to get have those uh, feedback loops, right? But I think just the, the final point on this is that it's important to 
I think there are certain ways that people like introduce themselves. They play with it too. It's like, yo, what's up? Yo, what up, dog? You know, I'm I'm kind of just joking around with the language and in any language, you know, people introduce themselves and they say goodbye and they they have like these mechanisms in which they're joking around and and it's very informal. It's very slangy, but I think um, it demands a playfulness for you to embrace these and, and start practicing them and using them. And I think, of course, you need to be in the right context with the right people, but I think that really generates a lot deeper level of connection with people a lot of times. Yeah. And again, like just watching, tuning into people's reactions when you're doing this, when you're experimenting with new words, new expressions, slang, connected speech, just to see if they're understanding you, if it's coming across clearly, and if it's kind of like the the right situation to use that word. And I think just kind of like coming back to this idea of, of how kids learn, you know, that we were talking about how how kids, they tend to just have pick up on the the pronunciation, the sounds much more easier than adults do, which is true. But I think adults also kind of have this mental block when they learn a language because for them, it's become so effortless to speak their first language that when there's like some sound that isn't easy for them in this new language, like so for example, when you're learning English, uh, the certain sounds like the TH, for example, and it just doesn't come out easily, we tend to get really frustrated that it doesn't come out as effortless as our first language. When really, like if you look at how kids learn, there are some things there that you can emulate, like the fact that when uh, kids emulate, emulate, copy, or take inspiration from, right? So like when kids are really little, I've seen this a lot with with my nephew, just because he's just, you know, starting the last six months or so, starting to speak more. But he really trips over different sounds or he can't even pronounce some sounds yet. But, you know, through, from hearing his parents, from hearing people who are around him saying these over and over again, little by little, he's picking up on, on new sounds. And you as a, you know, learning a language as an adult, you may never have a native accent that can just be like a truth for, <laughs> for many adult language learners. It's, it takes a lot of work to reduce your accent. We definitely want to talk more about this in the next couple of weeks in a future episode. but. You can definitely speak a lot more clearly. You can have better pronunciation. You can speak more accurately and doing this in a very similar way that we see children doing it. So, you know, if you have a teacher, that can be a terrific way. Maybe you don't have a a parent that speaks English, but you can get a teacher or otherwise, I think it can be a wonderful way of doing this just to anytime you're listening to something, anytime you're watching a TV series to try to kind of copy how the people in the TV series, in the the audio that you're listening to are speaking and just like repeating words over and over and over again to try to improve the muscles of articulation for that sound. One thing I would add to this is just to be very aware of like your own mental reactions to that because it's really easy to, when you say something, to feel like, oh, that's not me saying this. I, I sound weird when I try to say it with an American accent or a British accent or whatever, I sound weird. So maybe you don't think that thought, but you feel like this, this kind of like tension inside of you that prevents you from doing it. So kind of that, you know, childlike being uninhibited in this sense would be more like try to relax in every single way and to be free to make that pronunciation without fear, without fear of judgment or criticism or mistakes. Exactly. And something I kind of do with my students is I actually have uh, had some of them choose like a mother or a father. And what I mean by that is when we look at children, they don't have any choice but to learn. I think that's a big advantage that they have is they they literally have no choice of whether or not they want to learn English or they want to learn their native tongue like 
you know, it's something that they just do. But, you know, they have a mother or father who all the time is speaking to them, who's listening to them, who corrects them when they make mistakes, who's very patient with them. So what I, I try to do is have my students also pick like a hypothetical mother or father to pick one person that they really want to emulate that person's way of speaking. Because, you know, if you're always imitating different people, everyone has different ways of speaking. But if you can choose one person that you really like their way of speaking and really focus on picking up the way that that one person, the way they use their intonation, the way that they pronounce things, their accent, then it's going to be much more effective for, for giving you kind of a, a clear direction for how to increase your, improve your pronunciation and maybe diminish your accent a little bit. Dada. How many kids do you have out there, Ethan? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't think any. But I actually have like one of my students, for example, she chose as her English mother, Oprah. And so she listens to a lot of Oprah interviews and stuff and tries to really hone in on Oprah's way of speaking and imitates her every week. Hone in? Hone in is to try to focus in on details, the details of something. So what you're starting to get into this idea of kind of trying to become more comfortable imitating of repeating things a lot, repeating sounds a lot, building those muscles of articulation and kind of leaning into the silliness, that, that kind of strange feeling that we have when we start trying to speak with a, in a different way. We start trying to speak like an American or like a Brit or something like that. And even when we're at a little bit of a lower level, we almost go through this evolution ourselves of like where maybe when we first start learning a language, we sound a bit like a caveman. So we're a little bit like maybe a two-year-old, a three-year-old. And then as we advance, we start getting to be a bit more like a, a child and then more like an adolescent. And finally, you know, if we're at the very upper levels, we can start picking up, choosing to use different types of vocabulary and speak a little bit more eloquently. It's not so much like a caveman. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really important to go through that process to you know, get past that point of self-consciousness and to just be okay with your mistakes. Another thing just to go off of what you were just saying Finish, finishing that idea about music, actually, is music is really great for imitation. Besides, you know, captivating you and that, that initial interest, it's really great for, you know, to be able to imitate somebody right then and there, even to record yourself as you go along and listen back to that recording. Get over that initial, because we all don't like the way our voice sounds, even in our native language, and you're probably not going to like it even more that second language. So over that and just accept where you're at. And that gives you, in some sense, the vision and the clarity to really start improving it from where you're at. So it's like, what don't you like about, you know, besides that initial emotional reaction of hearing your own voice, what don't you like about it? You know, what, what pronunciation sounds are you making mistakes with? And how can you improve that? And then you get to the point where you sort of max out your own ability. You know, you reach the limit of your own ability to give yourself feedback. And then you can go and try to get feedback from a native speaker and that, that can help even more. Yeah, for sure. And I think it just does like leaps and bounds for your confidence when you actually get over that awkwardness of hearing yourself speak. You learn to accept that that's how you speak. You, you learn to accept that you're going to make mistakes, but that with deliberate practice, you can overcome those mistakes. And, you know, at every step, if you're patient, you will get better and better. Okay. So leaps and bounds quickly. Sorry. Leaps and bounds is taking like big steps forward. Oh, yeah. And then like Justin was saying, you know, if at the next level of that, if you can, it always helps to have that teacher or a tutor or a coach or someone who can actually also give you feedback on to make sure that you're doing it right. So 
as we said, just like kids have their mother or father that's always giving them, always correcting them, always giving them feedback, always being patient with them. It can help you a ton if you can have someone like that in your life, even if you're just meeting with them once a week to check in. Uh, and it also helps you not feel so isolated in your learning, which is really nice. Just to finish up this podcast, let's uh, take a little bit of a look of why you also need to take this advice of learning like a child, because it can be good advice in some ways, but it's not something that's 100% foolproof. You need to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. Grain of salt? Grain of salt? Grain of salt. A grain of salt. What does that mean? Grain of salt. Take something with a grain of salt means that you basically take like a piece of advice, a recommendation, or a lesson, anything like that, but you don't take it completely at face value, which means that you be a little bit skeptical of it. You do a little bit more research or something like that. You should kind of always take advice with a grain of salt, right? Not just completely dedicating yourself to that piece of advice, but stepping back, trying to look at other resources of information to see how good this advice really is. So take this advice of speaking like a child uh, with a grain of salt because there, you know, it, it is definitely kids have a very good way at looking at learning things. You should really focus on taking their attitude, but you shouldn't fully jump into this idea of, oh, I can learn just like a child because you're not a child. And as an adult, you can't learn exactly the same way. And you also have some advantages of learning that children do not have. So what are some of these advantages that adults have over children learning? Well, I mean, we're more aware of our own learning processes, right? And so we know how we learn best, experience this in other ways. And if you've learned another language before, right, you have that experience to really draw from. And, you know, besides that, the deliberate practice, we recognize the value of repetition, kind of like what we were saying earlier. And, you know, we have the ability to sort of reflect upon this and really engineer our own learning process. So those are some of the main ones, right? I think it's like maybe good even to give an example, just like doing a little bit of research on this topic. I thought this was really helpful to look at that a kid, they learn everything by just, you know, seeing things and, and hearing and basically like with uh, that happening enough times, they'll learn pointing at something like, okay, this is a chair, this is a table, this is a dog. But, you know, at first... They might have, so this was the example I saw, they might go to um, their parents' friend's house and there's a cat there. And so they hear the people call that a cat, but then they go over to someone else's house and there's a dog there and its name is Rover. Rover is like a stereotypical name of a dog in English. He will point at Rover and he'll say, oh, that's a cat. It's an animal with four legs and a tail, just like the cat that he saw before. And then his parents will probably laugh, but, and then they'll, they'll correct him and say, no, no, that's a dog. And so through this process of just constantly being corrected, constantly have, hearing people pointing at things, saying certain words over and over again, they start to understand and start to be able to use the language. But you, as, a, as an adult language learner, you can have someone point at a cat and say cat, and you're going to know it's a cat, it's different than a dog. Or you can just translate it even to your own language, which, you know, if you're at a lower level, it can be effective. I'd say when you get to a higher level, it's better to try to get away from translation so you're separating it more from your own language. But that's one example of how learning like a child isn't always good. And, you know, as an adult, you can be a much better learner in many ways than a child. I think as an adult, it's very important with all of your experience, just reflecting on how you personally learn best and applying that to learning English. And what you would want to take from a child is having that experimental, curious mindset, right? 
yeah, opening your mind to it, being experimental uh, as well. Like, you know, I just thought of this as you were speaking right now. And kids, it's like their world is that language. They're totally swimming in it, immersed in it. And you can do sort of the same thing. You can learn from them as well. Like, you know, listen to this podcast while you're running, right? While you're taking care of your baby, your child, right? While you're doing anything, pretty much. You can swim in English. You can, you know, use media and technology and fill your cell phone with English audio, watch English TV shows and do everything you can in English. And and that's imitating kids in some sense. You're immersing your life in English. Yeah, but uh, it's it's not quite the same in the way that, you know, kids, all they have to do is learn that language, really. Like, they have endless time. You as an adult, you probably have a job or you study or something like this. You maybe have a family. And so, you don't just have that endless time to learn the language. Unless, of course, maybe you move to the United States or England and you can uh, you can just be completely surrounded by people helping you all the time if you're lucky. Yeah, but take kids, for example, like look at the, why they learn English is because they're forming friendships in English. They're going to school and learning stuff in English, right? And so, as an adult, yeah, you're busy and stuff, but you can still form relationships in English. You know, you can still meet people from different countries. It doesn't even need to be a native speaker, but you're actually telling your life story, being know people in English. That's a way to imitate how kids learn. You know, maybe it's not exactly the same, but it's like you're living your life in English. Yeah, having your community. Yeah, absolutely. The same as a kid. Kids have their community. Usually, it takes an entire community to take care of a child. So, you know, if you if you form your English community, that you have people all the time. Doesn't have to be native speakers, obviously. Just anyone who will be patient with you, who will listen to you, who you can get feedback from, who you can enjoy conversing with and and learn with. That is going to be so, so powerful for you. Is there anything else you wanted to include? Anything we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, just one point. Like I was just thinking about this last night is, you know, kids, they'll plan their lives and their identity in that language. You know, they're not even plan. It's, it's like their identity unfolds in that language. And it can be sort of the same way. You really need to be conscious about how you architect your life, depending on which level you want to reach. But I mean, you actually need to create part of yourself, part of your identity in that language. And so kids have, you know, they're forming their identity from nothing, but you, you can still reinvent yourself. You know, it's like, Ethan, you, you learned, um, you're learning Catalan, right? You're living in Spain. And I know part of your identity is Catalan. I know that you feel so identified with that culture and you've architected your life in this way to really um, give life to that part of yourself. And, you know, this is um, kids, it happens to them naturally, but as an adult, you can still learn from that. It's almost like you have that choice. And I know we mentioned this before, but uh, I think a lot of people, they get stuck in that awkwardness of, you know, wanting to carry over their identity from their first language into English, but, you know, kind of just free your mind a little bit, unleash yourself a little bit from that and kind of take it as an opportunity to, as Justin said, reinvent yourself to to live a, a new life through that language. Oh, uh, yeah. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. Feel free to go to the show notes of this podcast at reallifeglobal.com slash kid, K-I-D. And you can, besides seeing all the vocabulary and expressions that we've mentioned today, and the resources that we mentioned as well. You'll find the links there. You can also leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about this podcast or just send us an email at fluencyteam at reallifeglobal.com. We would love to hear from you and we look forward to seeing you again or talking to you again next week. So can I get a one, two, three, ah, oh, yeah, them out of here? One, two, three. Ah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah.